Yeah, that. Our podcast. <laughs> where we talk about young adult literature chapter by chapter and discuss whether the angst felt by all of these teenagers is necessary. Probably not. Um, this week, we'll be continuing the same book that we've been reading for the last couple of weeks. So if you've been following along... I'm so sorry that you're putting up with Evelyn's journey along with us. If you haven't been following along, please don't start with these chapters. Please, go back, start from the beginning, or skip to next week, but let's not start with chapter 10 as your entry point. Yeah. Please. I'm I'm reading it along correctly, right? I mean, obviously I am, and even I'm kind of like, whoa, what just happened? It's very abrupt and out of nowhere, and it's just a lot, and we'll we'll get into it, but we'll be discussing chapters 10 through 12 this week, which, for better or worse, are the first chapters where we finally get some level of action happening, because you and I both have been lamenting all of the background and talking that has been happening in chapters oh, 1 yeah. through 9. And I, well, we really got it this time. We got a, everything <laughs> happened in these three chapters. Um, so we'll get into it. But first, Julia, I want to check in with you. How are you doing? What are you drinking tonight? I'm good. I am back in my apartment. I'm usually at my parents' house. And so I have no alcohol here. And I had to order sushi just to buy some alcohol. <laughs> Um, so I'm drinking a Japanese craft beer, um, and yeah, what are you drinking? I'm, I'm back on my bourbon train. Um. Of course. Yep. I also don't have a lot of alcohol that I, it is all I drink. I'm not a 40-year-old male alcoholic, guys, I promise. I promise I'm a 25-year-old girl who doesn't (laughs) have a drinking problem. But... In my defense, my mother, who I'm currently staying with uh, for a short interim time, is in Florida for a month, and she would probably murder me when she got back if her wine fridge had at all been touched. So there wasn't a lot of alcohol in the house for me to drink, other than a Mike's Hard Lemonade and brown sugar bourbon, which is my favorite bourbon. So... Given the stuff that we have to talk about this episode, I figured bourbon would be the safer choice over yeah Mike's Hard Lemonade. Because, you know, Mike's Hard Lemonade is too party-esque, and that's not really what I want the vibe for this week. Yeah. <laughs> so, but otherwise, things are good. I now have a house, a beautiful house on a lake to myself for a month while in the Washington rain, where I can't actually and- go out on the water. I have a friend who has a house on a beautiful lake. That you can't visit. Well, yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm happy for but you. But I have absolutely nothing else going on right now, so. <laughs> and I'm still trying to close on a real house that I will own with my own. Yeah, that yeah. I'm I'm really excited for. Me too. The house is really but cute. I'm excited say- for you to come visit. I don't know. I want to say a big congratulations when you actually get the house. <laughs> oh, well, you know that when I actually get the house, we're going to have to make it happen so that we both have actual champagne and we will be drinking yes. champagne for yes. the podcast. 
hundred percent. It's the only way to I'm do so it. Excited. Oh, I'm, I'm so, so excited. excited. All right. Well, we should probably jump right into it because I I think we have a lot to discuss this week. Like a lot to discuss. Um. So. Yeah. Why don't we just get started with the synopses? So I will get us started with chapter 10. Now, before we start, as I've alluded to at the start of this, since the start of this podcast, this, this is not a happy chapter, and this probably won't be a super happy episode, um, and, you know, we want to make sure that everyone's taking care of themselves and their mental health, and especially in 2020 and all of these trying times. So just want to put it out there, full content and trigger warnings. Um, We will be discussing sexual assault and attempted rape during this episode. So if that's not your cup of tea and you do not want to be around for that discussion, we totally understand and we'll see you next week and hope you're taking care of yourself and having a safe time. That's totally fine. But just wanted to put that out there before I start. Because we do have some not-so-happy things that we're going to be talking about in Chapter 10 specifically. So, um, if a quick recap from Chapter 9. Jared ambushed Evelyn outside of the class that they share and basically said, I'm not coming to class, but I wanted to see you. And then disappeared. And she's like, what? Okay. And then Chapter 10 starts with her sitting in class trying to figure out what to do about that and her feelings. Um, And she decides that she's going to go to the library to look for clues to figure out more about Jared and decides to skip class again. So she goes to the library and then finds a ton of books in the section where the Calmbury book originally was about murdering witches and all of the things that men used to torture women and children with in the Middle Ages when they thought they were witches. So that's descriptive and super fun. A whole Um, paragraph, too. (laughs) It's very detailed and unnecessary. (laughs) But but we know those books exist. Like, I'm sure that's 100%. All those first-person accounts are definitely somewhere. Though no one needs them, but they're somewhere. So, obviously, there's nothing useful in those books um, in terms of helping Evelyn find out information about the Calmburys. So she kind of is overlooking at the books, but then she notices that there's a pattern designed into the bookshelves. So she being, I think she's a Ravenclaw, being her little Ravenclaw self, tries to figure out what the puzzle is and what the pattern is. She ends up climbing a ladder, like a a normal step ladder that you'd see in a library, to try and uh, piece together the broader artwork across the 10 different shelves in the FE section and realizes that the design actually is the Convery crest. So Evelyn is trying to figure out why the Convery crest would even be designed into these bookshelves, wondering if the whole wing of the library and the books have been donated by the Convery's, and if so, how much money do they actually have? Because that must all be worth an absolute fortune, considering so many things in there are first editions and manuscripts and just these, like, insanely old texts. Um, So she's trying to figure out how the bookshelf and the book and the crest and Jared and Madison and... Mayflower and all of these pieces that she has for this larger puzzle, trying to figure out how everything fits together, uh, 
finally checks her phone, realizes Felix and Sally are looking for her. Felix is, per usual, being overbearing and just obnoxious in his text messages. Sally calls Evelyn, and Evelyn wants to tell her what she's discovered about the bookshelves, but she wants to tell her in person and wants to tell her without Felix around because she doesn't really want to bring Felix in on this mystery. So they decide that they'll talk about it the next day uh, before they meet Felix to go to studying. So the whole next day, uh, or in two days, I'm sorry. And then, so Felix is really overbearing and like worrying about Evelyn the whole next day. And Evelyn snaps at him and doesn't really have a chance to talk to Sally about the bookshelves. So then they plan for Sally to pick Evelyn up early for the group study session. And then they figure they can talk before meeting up with Felix. That's on Wednesday. Thursday, when they're supposed to have their study group session, Felix is super cheerful the whole day and goes and grabs the three of them coffee at lunch. Sally's complaining that hers is bitter and Felix gives her some sugar packets to make it sweeter and they all make a plan to study at Felix's and then go to a party on his floor of the dorm after. Evelyn goes home, gets ready, gathers her stuff and is waiting for Sally to come pick her up but Sally doesn't show. So Evelyn gets a little worried, calls Sally's house, finds out that Sally's sick and Sally's like, uh, I think the coffee was off. I'm probably just sick from that and... Sally tells Evelyn that she doesn't need Evelyn to come help her. So Evelyn is like, all right, I guess I'll just go to Felix's to study for statistics. And Felix starts expressing, actually, I'm sorry, doesn't start. He does not start expressing any concern for Sally because Felix has no concern for Sally whatsoever. He's like, oh, she'll be fine, whatever. He starts to teach Evelyn statistics and is kind of encroaching her personal space. Um, but she's still, they're trying to study and she's trying to figure out statistics. And then the party's starting early. There's sound checks and girls' heels clanking outside and all of this noise. So they can't really study. And then Felix goes haywire. He starts to tell Evelyn how special and marvelous he thinks that she is and how much he likes her. And he tries to kiss her and she very nicely tells him that she just thinks of him as a friend and she didn't mean to give him the wrong impression, but she doesn't like him that way. And he snaps. He gets really angry and accuses her of, says very nasty things about her, basically calls her a gold digger and a tease and also says that the two of them belong together, which it's like, Felix, if you think she's a gold digger and a tease, what do you want for yourself? I'm very confused, but that's a whole nother conversation. Uh, so she tries to back away from him because she obviously doesn't want any part of that. And he says that the only reason that she doesn't love Felix is because she's in love with Jared and Com like Jared Combury's getting in the way and so Felix hates him. Then he assaults her and kisses her without her consent. We don't need to describe the rest of what really happens next, but there's basically a thoroughly detailed attempted rape, which we do not want to get into in detail. Um, the one thing that I do want to note is that Evelyn does try to fight back in this whole situation. She knees him in the stomach and hits him over the head with a lamp. So good job, Evelyn, I guess. Unfortunately, it doesn't knock him out, so he manages to pull her back down onto the bed. And then we hear someone rattling the doorknob and they manage to break into the room that Felix had locked. And it's Jared out of nowhere. So then an invisible force 
hurdles Felix across the room and hurdles Evelyn to the opposite side of the room. So they're in completely different sides of the room. She sees Jared walk in and he's glowing, though she doesn't know if that's actually Jared or a reflection from the light outside. And he goes ham on Felix. He beats the shit out of him and tells him to stay away from Evelyn or Jared will beat him into a coma. Then Jared goes over to Evelyn, checks on her, gives her his sweater, and leads her out so he can take her to the hospital. Lot happens in chapter 10. Um, I think, you know, everything with Felix finally comes to a head that none of us were really expecting. Anything you want to add there, Julia? Uh, no, just, I was saying to you earlier that, like, I was definitely not prepared for that, but it was weird because it felt like there were hints that something like that could happen earlier on. Like, we were talking just, I think, last podcast about how it was weird that, like, she was falling asleep after going to get a drink with him, and, like, I really thought that was going somewhere very different, so, like, it's Mm -hmm. weird that, like, now here we are. Like, I don't know if that was intentional foreshadowing or not, but it, yeah. Yeah. It's just, like, took me by surprise. Yeah, it, it definitely escalated extremely quickly. Um, and it's just really sad, and I'm, I'm very glad that what he was trying to do, he didn't actually get the chance to complete. And that Evelyn's for the most part, okay. Um, Though she does have a wound on the back of her head, but. (laughs) I do have a problem with, like, sexual assault being a plot device, especially in YA novels, and I think that's why I was just so, like, whoa, like, where is this coming from? Because, like, that's the thing, it's still young adult, it's still, like, teens who are the main readers of this, even if we're, like, 25, 26 now, but, um, (laughs) I don't know. It 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 definitely it's a different culture thing, maybe too. I don't know. Yeah. Well, you I mean, I probably find that here. I agree. Like, I don't, I don't like having it used as a plot device, and I really wish that we didn't have it in books. But it also is such a lived reality of so many girls yeah. in college, um, and a, most of the time when sexual assault happens it's from someone that you know and probably trust so yeah it's a good reminder that people may not always be what they seem even though it's extremely horrific to read about and definitely not a topic that we want to discuss this week but here we are and, like, it's good to remember that most people aren't gonna, I mean, maybe that's my problem with it, is, like, it, most people aren't gonna bounce back the way that Evelyn does. Yes. Um, she really, like, and, like, that's, I think, fine for a character in a book, but, like, just to keep in mind for, like, other people who maybe aren't familiar with sexual assault, like, it's traumatic. It's, it's a lasting thing. It is. And everyone deals with the trauma in their own way, which I think is something we can probably talk Mm -hmm. a lot more about in in the commentary section because I think that that really resonates even more so in chapters 11 and 12. Um, So let's go over chapter 11 quickly. It's a really short, really short chapter. Um, But Jared is taking Evelyn outside and Colin's right out there like waiting to help do what he needs to do and he's extremely angry as well, just as angry as Jared is because he doesn't want Evelyn to get hurt. They're friends. 
And Evelyn starts thinking in her head and also out loud that she thinks that Felix actually put something in Sally's coffee to make her sick. And tells Colin that Sally's homesick, which is why she wasn't studying with them tonight and why she wasn't at the party. And Colin is about ready to go in and actually finish the job that Jared started and murder Felix to protect Sally. But Jared stops him, tells him to take their... The, he's like, take the Ducati to check on Sally and go drive to her house and I'll take Evelyn and the Mustang. And I'm like, okay, boys, bragging about your vehicles. Sure. <laughs> but... They switch vehicles so that he Jared doesn't have to take Evelyn on the motorcycle that he came on, I guess. Um, and he takes a Mustang and starts driving her to the hospital. Realizes that she's going to hurl because the shock is getting to her. So he gets her out of the car, holds her hair, makes sure that she's okay, and then gets her back in the car to take her to the hospital. They get to the hospital and Evelyn gets seen and they note that she'll need stitches. So they give her six stitches on the back of her head where she has this like open head wound and they put, this part is so dumb. They put a bandage on her head to protect the stitches and Evelyn doesn't want to look stupid in front of Jared. So as soon as the doctors are gone, she takes the bandages off and throws them away and goes to Jared and he's like, don't they normally give you a bandage? And she's like, for this few number of stitches? no and he doesn't believe her and completely realizes that she's torn off the bandage to save face um but he doesn't say anything (laughs) so good on jared i guess uh and he starts to drive her home i was like getting her in the car and she's just staring at him (laughs) so intently because she wants to know everything about this man who has now saved her life and uh, he knows he's, she's staring because she's being weird and he asks her if there's anything that he can do for her and she just thanks him profusely for saving her that night and asks him why he wasn't at school. He just basically says that he was settling things at home. Super vague. So thanks for that, Jared. Then all of a sudden they're at her dorm and she's really upset because she wants to spend more time with him and he walks her to her door And then touches her cheek lightly and she says that her skin is tingling hot and she's just like reacting to his presence. And but he says goodnight and leaves her at her door trying to be the consummate gentleman. And she chases after him and yells his name and he turns and has all this sadness in his eyes like he's clearly battling something. And she sees that and she's like, I just want to make him happy. So she kisses him. They make out for a little while in the path to her dorm, and then he just says, I'm sorry, and goes home. And that's chapter 11. Oh, Oh boy. Okay, I'll do chapter 12. So, another chapter where we have Evelyn waking up. We should have taken shots for every chapter that has her waking up, because at this point you're going to be like, knocked out. Any chapter um, that mentions the alarm clock. Oh my god. This this damn alarm clock is its own character. Like, really secondary is. character alarm clock. <laughs> <laughs> so, she wakes up to her alarm clock and barely, she's barely slept. Um, she has a lot of problems with sleep, clearly. Um, 
and she's thinking a lot about Jared and their kiss and she's feeling very rejected um which I guess stems from him apologizing and leaving even though they made out but this poor girl is just clueless anyway she wanted him to come up to her room and he didn't do that (laughs) so she um the idea of seeing Felix of course is really scary and um she calms down, realizes he's staying away from her, and calls Sally. Uh, Sally is still very sick, and she's at home. Um, and she's uh, saying that she was was poisoned by Digitalis, and that she took some um, something to activate the charcoal, and so she'll be fine. But um, she just needs lots of rest and gets yelled at by her mother for being on the phone, which good for her mother. It's probably a good thing. <laughs> So uh, Evelyn starts looking for Jared, but he, of course, isn't in class again. And like, yeah, she is very much longing for him to state it as an understatement. It's it's <laughs> she's she like needs him. Um, she doesn't really know what to do, so um, she goes. Oh, this is also where she's like running around to like the different places that she's seen him, including like the Asian lunch place, right? And, like, he's, he's not in any of these places. Like, girl, why are you running around town trying to find him? Oh, that's after anyway. she leaves Sally's. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> she, like, really wants him. She's thirsty. She is. But so instead of being thirsty for a boy in this one moment, she goes to the pool to swim. Yes. This is good for her. She goes to the pool, um, and the next day she checks her wound, and it's almost healed. Oh, yes, yeah, from the water. And she gets some flowers, and she takes them over to Sally's because she is such a good friend, and she is greeted by her mother. Um, Sally does not look good at all. Looks like a skeleton or a corpse. Um, and they talk a little bit, uh, and Sally mentions that Colin had been there and basically had gotten kicked out by her mother for being there for too long, <laughs> which is kind of cute. Um, and that Jared also came and was probably using some some sort of magic uh, to heal her. Um, she felt a lot better and um, there was some sort of glow about him. Evelyn is still not convinced he has a, a gift or that he's magical. Um, but Sally's just repeating what Colin said. And then Sally's mom gets home and tells Evelyn that Jared was whispering with Colin about her. Asks why, like oh, your boyfriend is so nice. I think, is he, she calls him Jason or something. She's like, you mean Jared? My mom does this all the time. (laughs) Uh, And, um, and that Jared couldn't stop thinking about her when he was talking to Colin. Uh, And then Evelyn starts to panic and thinking about what it means for her and Jared and why he doesn't want to be with her. So, yes, romantic panic. Evelyn leaves before they have lunch so she can start searching for Jared. And this is when she actually starts running around town trying to find Jared at all these different spots. Um, and she goes into the alleyways because that, that's an obvious choice is to just wander into some alleyways. Isn't that where you look for your crushes, Julia? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. In the alleys. You know me. <laughs> that wouldn't work um, in New York well. <laughs> No, maybe that's why I'm having so much trouble in that department. You would just find some, like, possums. Yeah. (laughs) 
Uh, so she tries calling Colin, but he doesn't answer. She goes home and feels very isolated and doesn't really know what to do. So she calls Ruth, um, taxi cab driver Ruth, uh, who invites her over for supper. Basically, like, tells her to. Doesn't really invite her. She's like, right, be here at 7. <laughs> Bye. I was like, oh, good, great. I, I like Ruth already. <laughs> and they have lasagna for dinner. And I am reading off of Chantel's notes for me. And there's a note in here for me. Which she says she misses my mom's cooking. <laughs> anyway. so they're true. Having... I do. <laughs> <laughs> they're having lasagna for dinner. And um, they're going through the apartment. They see a photo of Hannah, um, Ruth's daughter, who no longer lives with her. She's too old of not she doesn't want to be i'm assuming <laughs> she's um, a doctor she has yeah, that's life. <laughs> um <laughs> your your summaries are always so concise and then mine are like i don't know what's going on <laughs> um so they talk about uh, her experience at oxford and christ church um and then Evelyn tries to clean up, but girl breaks her finger. Breaks her finger. Breaks her finger. <laughs> it cuts her finger. Uh, and then she's looking at Ruth's books and happens to see a book called Nimway. Ooh. Of course that's what it's named. Like, what? It <laughs> names a book Nimway. <laughs> so... Ruth is going over um, who Nimue is as the Lady of the Lake and the Guardian of Avalon. That she's Marilla's lover, but doesn't have a great reputation. Um, and she gave Merlin uh, Excalibur to give to Arthur, but some people say that she seduced Merlin to steal his magic. Um, Ruth thinks that she really loved Merlin, though, and basically is rooting for her. <laughs> Little does she know. <laughs> um, and she was immortal in some capacity since Avalon was the source of eternal life. And we learned that Ruth, coincidentally, was fascinated by Arthurian legends because clearly everyone in this book is fascinated by Arthurian legends. Okay, okay. if you live in the UK, can you let us know if you all are <laughs> obsessed with Arthurian legends? Because to be fair, in the US, we are, so I want to know if it's true for the rest of you. <laughs> and if it's, it's true. true to form. One of the guys I dated was obsessed with the Arthurian <laughs> <laughs> It's really true. We don't have any cool legends. We just have people throwing tea into the water. So, like... Uh... Anyway, so they've been... Ruth and her mother, well, mostly her mother, has been chasing... Um, more details about the Arthurian legends um, her entire life, and she sadly died. Um, and believes that Mayflower is in a secret society called Legatum Merlini, or Merlin's Legacy, and they're responsible for protecting and preserving Merlin's legacy. Which is <laughs> just very aptly <laughs> named group. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Uh, Ruth says they have a secret sign and shows her what she expects the sign to be, and it is the Combray Crest, which <gasps> Evelyn immediately recognizes. Oh my god, the coincidences. Um, and Evelyn decides that she can trust Ruth and tells her the entire story. Um, and Ra- <laughs> now Ruth is 
thinking, oh, she's putting all the pieces together. And Ruth knows the story of Murden, um, but didn't associate him with the Combreeds until now. And wonders if this was what her mother had been trying to tell her before she was in an accident. Which, curious that it was an accident, right? Why did she die? I know, really. Like, (laughs) is anyone alive? (laughs) She also says that after... Imagine, like, the plot twist is actually everyone is dead. This is just all a dream. (laughs) Oh my god. Evelyn's in a coma. (laughs) Anyway, she also says that after Jared's parents died, his foster mom was Karen Mayflower, which, whoa. whoa. Um... We also now explicitly learn that Merlin eventually became Merlin, um, which, as you correctly point out in the summary, is already told through us from a Google to us from a Google search. We talked about this last week. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So Jared is Merlin's legacy, and Evelyn is finally coming around to the idea that he may have magic. And Ruth says she believes in magic, but also, also. this is, I think, when Ruth, Ruth, Evelyn is like, oh, Nimue was this water goddess, basically. Hmm, interesting. And the wheels started going. Hmm. And that's the end of chapter 12. Lots happening. But <laughs> Lots we're happening. finally getting answers. Like, the whole Felix thing came to a head in this group of chapters. Not in a good way, but at least it came to a head. And yeah. we finally have a name for our secret society. We finally have the official connection and confirmation that magic exists. So we're we're making progress. I I am fairly confident that the rest of the book is going to be like action packed, <laughs> straight shot. We've had nine chapters of exposition, and now we are jumping into the action. I am kind of surprised it took us halfway through the book to get there. Um, it's a slow I mean, I'm burn. Not, I'm not, yeah, I'm not like complaining because I don't mind development, but like, it did feel very long. <laughs> okay, but is it actually longer than the development of Six of Crows? No, that's true because it took me a long time to get into that, and look how obsessed I am with Six of Crows. Yeah, is this as good me, as like, Six weeks. of Crows? Also, no. no. But it's still fun. We're having yeah, just as much of a good time reading this together as we were reading Six of Crows together. So, Well, this has more of that mystery aspect, too, which Six of yeah. Crows has more of the action aspect. That's true. And this is more like you as a reader trying to piece the puzzle together yourself with the information that's being given. Whereas, like, I also think Six of Crows is very, like, let's just talk about the characters. And who yes, are they? Yes, and yes. what are their motivations? And here, that doesn't matter. There is no yeah. character development whatsoever. Right. <laughs> All right, so let's jump into our, our commentary um, <laughs> about these chapters. I, yeah. <laughs> Well, first of all, can we talk about in the first chapter, like, we already mentioned this, but why is there a whole paragraph on torture methods? I was like, in a normal book, this would be some kind of, like, foreshadowing. Like, there's something about these archaic torture methods that, that are going to come through in a later chapter. But, like, 
I mean, I guess everything's on the table given the contents of chapter 12 towards the end or -hmm. chapter 10, I mean, towards the end. Um, But why did we spend a whole paragraph on this? I just want to know, like, what does it add anything? Is it just there for filler? Well, so I think it's to remind us, right, that the Middle Ages, even though, like, I honestly don't know what Evelyn's trying to research, because Arthur happened in the 5th to 6th century, not the Middle Ages. I'm still so frustrated (laughs) with this time period discontinuity (laughs) bullshit. Like, one of those books is literally talking about, like, burning witches in the time of Salem, and I'm like, no one is trying to tie Arthur to the 17th century. Why are we putting this Salem is like... Salem's like yesterday compared to when the Arthurian legends are exactly, based. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So that part was kind of, uh, but I'm not going to say this. I don't remember if it's a spoiler. I don't think it is, but I think it's important to keep in context how horrible sorceresses and witches and magicians were treated in those time periods oh okay yeah i see where you're going with this (laughs) you're like bbc merlin yes i'm hearing what you're saying (laughs) which i'll get to in the pop culture section because i actually have stuff to say about the show this time um but it's been a while since we referenced the show (laughs) i know it has but like (laughs) Everything that she's discussing here and talking about here is talking about murdering women and girls. Like, it's focusing solely on misogyny and sexism and genocide of women. And nothing about magic in men. So there's something being protected about magic in men and not being protected about magic in women. And I think that's a really important distinction, especially when we think about Arthurian legends Right? Because even separate from this book, separate from BBC Merlin, whatever, like Merlin is painted as this glorious figure saving all of humanity with his magic. And Morgana is painted, or Morgan mm. Le Fay, however you want to paint her, is treated yeah. as this evil sorceress. So is Nimue. So women constantly have a bad rap, and that's just our history right like that's the history of the world that men are terrified of women and the charm and power that women have just by existing so they just murder them instead of dealing with their own shame and guilt for being attracted to women that don't want them or who are too powerful for them yeah that's what i wrote yeah. down in my comment I, that's a really insightful comment and it makes a lot more sense because I was reading that just as like a pure like horrible torturing kind of thing Yeah, and I was very confused <laughs> I was like what is going on that's fair I, I mean I've also read the book like I've been sitting with this a lot longer but I don't know that just anytime books are like yep we're gonna kill a bunch of women I'm like hold on let's talk about this though yeah because we shouldn't be just throwing out the murder of women without putting context in, please. The thank misogyny. You. Um, I have a n- not as deep comment, uh, but at the very beginning <laughs> of the chapter, so before she went to the library, but at the very beginning of the chapter, 
Evelyn's like, oh, I took a detour to the library. I set aside my feelings of guilt by reminding myself I wouldn't make a habit of skipping classes. I'm like, Evelyn, you've already skipped like four classes. This girl doesn't go to class. She's, she's like never there. in class. And she's always commenting on how other people aren't in class, but she's also never in class. So I'm like, girl, you're a psychology major. Do you not hear yourself <laughs> rationalizing right now? Come on. I can't. Yeah. Um, I also really just love the description of the bookshelves in the library. Like, A, I need new bookshelves so for detailed. my house. It was. Yeah. I, I need new bookshelves for my house. So whoever designed these bookshelves, if they want to come design yeah. bookshelves in my house, please and thank Same. you. I will accept it. Um also, there's something about, like, her trying to figure out how all of the bookshelves fit together that just reminded me of an escape room or, like, a hidden object game on the computer where you have to, like, <laughs> click around and move puzzles together to make something mad. And I was like, oh, I miss escape rooms. I have a lot of feelings about this whole library <laughs> situation. Why was she allowed to go through the old book section without wearing gloves or the help of a librarian i was like oh, uh so like i'm just thinking about right the university of toronto i'm in the i school so we are connected to the archive library and it's like this humongous huge library but like in order to get an old book not that i have gone there in person thanks to covid but like i know that like generally i think in order to get an old book you have to get a librarian to do it and they're gonna mm -hmm. do it with like gloves and you have like a special table that you read it on so you don't ruin it and she's just like fingering through these li these library books they're like older than old and just doesn't care i was like what what is she doing yeah she's a librarian's <laughs> worst nightmare anyway i don't even work in a library but i was absolutely crying it's fiction, I Julia. It. I know. I well, know. That's, like, okay, this wasn't one of my pop culture references, so I'm going to say it now. But, like, now that you bring that up, that just really reminds me of, like, every time I watch The Da Vinci Code. Or, no, Angels and Demons. <laughs> Angels and Demons, when they're in the Vatican library, and he's just, like, throwing books around. And then oh, they God. lose their oxygen, so all the bookshelves start tumbling. And I'm just like, <sighs> I can't, like actual anxiety because of all of the texts that are being ruined because <laughs> they shut off the climate control it's so bad yeah yeah no no thank mm. you i'm okay i'm fine i don't want that <laughs> accurate anyway that's it that's it for the the books i just had so many feelings on that i was really like oh fair i mean yeah. we are both book nerds so i get i get that <laughs> um so I still hate Felix, more so in this chapter, but, like, even at the beginning of the chapter, I'm at least, like, happy that Evelyn's starting to change her mind. A little too late, but she's starting. Like, he's, she says in there, she's lying to Felix, doesn't feel guilty about it. She's like... He's not my boyfriend. I don't owe him anything. I'm a free person. I can do whatever the hell I want to do. And I was like, this is what I said Evelyn last week. Like, yes, you owe nobody anything. Live your life, girl. Go. Be free. So yeah. she's at least starting to wake up to it. But then 
I want your thoughts on when you read Sally, like, before, if you remember how you were feeling, before you got to all of the after stuff and finding out that she'd been poisoned, when she was just like, it's bitter, yuck. Like, what were you thinking? Well, I literally have a note, because I was taking notes as I go along, and it says, again with Felix and weird drinks. And I was like... I feel like it can't be a coincidence that, like, there's been a lot of emphasis on drinking, and we talked about this before, but, like, a lot of emphasis on drinking and Felix, and, like, so it was just weird to me that it was coming up a second time, and, like, here, like, when Sally is emphasizing that her drink tastes off, and, like, mm-hmm. what was it, coffee or something, like, it's not gonna be detergent left over in the cup, which is what Felix called it, like... <laughs> What is that, dude? Come on. Like, I would, especially, like, in college, I feel like I was also just generally, I think it's, like, the survival instincts of women. Like, you're a lot more aware of, like, things going on around you. And, like, I don't blame them for not blaming Felix more because he's supposed to be their, like, quote-unquote friend or, like, acquaintance that they trust. So that's kind of scary. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, yeah but like yeah in college I feel like I was at least more aware of that but you're never aware at the right time I just didn't hang out with anyone yeah <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> wait I just got- you were like I just completely glaze over the fact that your friend is such an introvert that she had no other friends <laughs> hey I was friends with you at the dance school so that was a big chunk of our life right there <laughs> That's true, but I also 100% trusted that you would never put foxglove in my <laughs> yeah. coffee. Also, everyone in our friend group was so dopey that none of them would have done that, so... No one would have even known how to get poisoned. No! <laughs> they just wanted McDonald's. Yeah, and to do yoga on the lawn. Do yoga! <laughs> and get some flatbread pizza. Yep, pretty uh, much. That oh, was man. it. That was our summer. Yeah, I miss it. It was such a good time. Anyways, yeah, I wrote down when that part came up. I just wrote, fuck, I forgot yeah. about this part. <laughs> I hate this. Because yeah. as soon as she said that, I was like, oh, no, no, no. I remember what's going to happen. Oh, no, it's happening. This chapter, I was hoping it would be later. Oh, no. Because no, I... It really, like, came out of nowhere. It did. Well, and it's like I knew that there was an attempted rape. Like, I knew it. Mm -hmm. I just didn't remember where in the book. And I checked my Goodreads profile the other day. I read this book in 2015. So it's been a solid five years (laughs) since I've read it. So the amount that I'm able to actually retain is pretty impressive. Considering I only read it once. Do I remember anything about the second book? No. (laughs) 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 um and then yeah sally's like i'm fine you don't need to come over here and i'm like evelyn go to your friend don't go to felix yeah please also like what door party starts at 8 p.m which first of all i think it even started earlier than 8 p.m started oh who's starting a a college dorm party at 8 in the evening like what kind of a party is this a grandparents party 
like this is the ideal party party for me yeah exactly I was like this is where I want to be but like I'm not a normal person (laughs) I almost wonder if Felix paid them to start early Mm. yeah you know what ask them oh wow wait now that I think about it you might be right because it's the, the way sound... that he's like so nonchalant about it mm-hmm. and know. the sound right you get those big subwoofers going on in a room and all people talking and craziness you're not gonna hear a girl scream yeah that's true wow he's a sicko if that's true oh <sighs> I can't believe I was rooting for you for a whole minute at the very beginning. (laughs) I know, I was so uncomfortable. I was like, (laughs) I I was confused by your like, I was like, okay, maybe he'll turn into like some sort of bad guy, but like, I didn't think it was gonna turn out be this level. Yeah. Um. Okay, it's funny. I'm like taking notes as we talk because as we're talking about things, all of these other like pop culture references. Triggering. Oh, good. I don't have that many. (laughs) I have too many. Oh, so okay. Before we get into the, mm, he's just like Evelyn's. Like it was odd that he didn't ask about Sally, and he said without showing genuine interest in Sally being sick. And I was like, it's because he knows what he did. Like Evelyn doesn't yet know, and this is setting the clues for her to figure it out. But like. I think he's a sociopath. Yeah. And also bipolar. Can you be both of those things? I don't know. But I see where you're coming from. Because, like, he has those mood swings, right? Where he's, yeah. like, super energetic and then, like, super, super angry. So it's not necessarily, like, manic and depressive. I don't think he's a sociopath. I think that he would be completely emotionless if he were a sociopath, but I do think that he has something else going on that, like, I don't think we're going to get into. I mean, does he come back a lot? Maybe he has BPD? Like, borderline personality Mm -hmm. disorder? I don't know. I need to stop diagnosing people as a non-psychology major, also not as a (laughs) licensed psychiatrist. But it just... Everything that he says and does, even, like, knowing what he eventually does, just screams to me of, like, mental disorders not having been appropriately treated and then him acting on his worst impulses. And it's just... (sighs) Okay. Okay. Even, again, before we get into the grossness, I'm... Like, he tries to start flirting with her while teaching her statistics... I just and, can't imagine what the heck that would look like. I'm like, if it were statistics, it would be me. I would be, like, absolutely bawling over the paper. I hated statistics. Same. Inferential statistics, baby. Like, dude, statistics is not sexy. Stop trying to flirt over statistics. Yeah. And you're psychology majors. You can't find anything else <laughs> to flirt over other than math. Like... And if you're going to do math, calculus is sexier than statistics. Yeah. Algebra, sexier than statistics. Yeah, algebra, calculus, yes. But weird timing, Felix. I don't understand why he thinks they're made for each other. Because he knows absolutely nothing about her, even after seven weeks of being friends. 
Yep. Then he gets all grumbly at her and he's like am i not good enough for you do i not have enough cash in my bank account and like the way he was talking before we get into the badness just i was like mm, felix is the epitome of every insecure man on tinder oh god yeah oh my god I, yeah and it's That's like all i'm gonna say <laughs> a they don't listen to women when women say they aren't interested or have different feelings on something or different opinions. And B, if they do listen, they then assume that it's because something is wrong with the woman, either because the woman has a character flaw or because she is inferior in some other way. And that may be like that they think the woman is a gold digger or a tease or something else that's bad in their mind and not recognizing that any of it is actually them being pieces of shit. The tease one always gets me because I've gotten that a couple times just from like casually talking to guys on these dating apps. And I'm like, dude, we're just chatting. Like, what on earth are you getting from this conversation? It's the same thing with Evelyn. Like, she's just chatting with Felix. She's not showing him any sort of like affectionate signs. Not even close. Also, like. For any man to call you a tease in any situation is hilarious because you're the least <laughs> flirty person. I, I really am. <laughs> you're the meme on like Tumblr 2007 when people are like, how do I flirt? You hand boy a potato? Is that right? Yeah. That's you. <laughs> it's not really about flirting, but there was this meme that um, I sent to my um friend Ashley you know Ashley one time and it was like um uh like about a friend who is they're playing a card game and they're crying this friend is crying because they just broke up or their boyfriend just broke up with them and the friend who's playing the card game very quietly says sorry and beats the friend at the card game while the other friend is crying over there boyfriend and I was like that's me that's me I'm the one saying sorry but still being my friends at the game it's true it's true <laughs> you little slither in you I do feel bad but like not enough to not win yeah <laughs> I can't flirt can't do any of it anyway um. Anyways, um, we get some great gaslighting in all of oh, this, God, too. Yeah. Evelyn's like, had I been giving out such confusing signals without knowing it? And I was like, no, Evelyn, no. He's gaslighting you. He's yeah. wrong. You're perfect. You're a little slice Men of pie. so good at gaslighting. It's like insane. It's absolutely insane. It's why I just don't listen to them anymore. They talk and I put it in headphones. Yeah. Sorry, if you're a man and you're listening to this podcast, I, A, good for you, because I wouldn't if I were you, but yeah. B, we're open to having a conversation. We promise we're not, like, militant But feminist. not a defensive conversation on your part, please. No, we, like, an open conversation about life and books, but, like, please but, don't like, come at us saying not all men, because I don't want to yeah. have that conversation. But that's my thing, though, and that's why I've always been kind of, like, when, like, 
my friends get annoyed about a man doing that to them on a dating app, um, I'm kind of like, well, at least they're showing you the true, their true colors now and not like you see that when you're, yeah, exactly on a date, like, true. you know, so you can kind of figure out who's the, the bad guy right there and then. That I mean, that's true. my, my like positive silver lining on that one. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Um, okay. And, and then you get people like Felix, who you get the red flags way at the beginning, and you gotta just cut them out. Yeah, follow the red flags. Listen to yeah. the red flags. Listen to the red flags. Don't let your friends get poisoned. Yeah. But, okay. So, I don't want to spend too much time talking about the assault there are a couple things i want to say though that i took notes on i kind of said this in the summary but i'm so like weirdly proud of evelyn for fighting back like i know that everyone deals with these kinds of situations differently some people just feel paralyzed and they can't move some people do try to fight and it isn't enough some people are able to escape situations and every single person's situation is completely valid but as a reader and having to read the situation it's much more inspiring to read about like reading somebody fighting back and like taking back their own willpower and being able to, like, keep trying to get herself out of the situation. She was so close. If that lamp would have just been, like, a little bit heavier, she wouldn't have even needed Jared. And yeah. I didn't really want her to have to need Jared in that situation. She did. Yeah, wait, me me too. That was a big, uh, like, annoyance for me. I just hate girls rely on guys. I know. I know. But, like, she didn't fully rely. Like, she did fight back. And... Yeah. I'm proud of her, too. I'm really proud of her. So, just want to acknowledge that. I'm also proud of you if you're a person who wasn't able to fight if something bad happened to you. hmm But it's inspiring to read to know that we all have fight in us, and we should try to fight if we are able to, you know? Um, never stop resisting. Life motto. Yeah. 2020. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then we talk about after, so, like, after she tries to fight back and Felix pulls her back and he gets absolutely insane and, like, really tries to kind of go in for the kill, quote-unquote, um, it really, like, resonated with me that he doesn't actually care about Evelyn, which we kind of already knew, Right? But, like, Felix doesn't have any love for Evelyn in particular because he knows nothing about her. She's a shiny new toy that has come into his playground and he wants to play with her because she's shiny and new. And for whatever reason, he thinks he deserves the shiny new toy. And the toy, for whatever reason, is not lighting up or singing when he presses all the buttons and it's making him really angry. And so he's trying to break the toy before someone else can try to play with the toy. Yeah. It's a good way of putting it. And kind of a terrible way of putting it. It's, but a, yeah. it's sick. It's absolutely sick. 
but his mental his mentality is uh, not yeah. that of a fully uh, formed accurate like speak like if we use like freudian terms right where you have like your id your ego and your super ego his super ego has is nowhere near this conversation no morality no ethics nothing is getting in through to him in this moment it's his preschooler level id that is just like i want toy i will play with toy you can't play with toy i break toy and it's sickening that some men haven't evolved past that preschooler level phase mm-hmm. when they have the yeah. full force of an adult male. Yeah. Again, I don't want to have the not all men conversation, so please don't come at me with that <laughs> if you're listening to this podcast. Well, but but men need to take responsibility for their their other men at yeah. to some degree. And... You need to hold people accountable for yeah. their actions, and that means holding your bros accountable because clearly when women try to hold men accountable, it isn't working. It works to some extent, but it's not working as well as it should. Um, but then we get Magic Jared. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, so when that door was like shaking, right? The doorknob, I was like, yeah. oh my God, it's going to be Jared. Like she somehow called him or something. I don't know I- how it happened that he like happened to show up to this one dorm. Um, but like also, I guess I can definitely say that the lights are not her and Jared. It's just Jared. But like, how cool would it have been if it was both of them? <laughs> So, but I do think, and they'll talk about this later on, but I don't think it's super spoilery to the plot. Um, Jared, for the most part, has control of himself and his magic. Evelyn makes him lose control. So anytime Mm. Evelyn is near him, he gets erratic. His heart beats more, like he's just not in as much control as he normally is so in a sense like she is affecting him enough to cause the lights to flicker so it is something about their connection but it is 100 percent driven by only his magic her magic is purely (laughs) water-based okay (laughs) gotcha if that That it's like a small little consolation prize for you thank you thank you i feel like i've been like pondering this for so long now yeah, um, but at least, like, finally we get Jared having magic with a purpose instead of all of that erratic, strange lighting, dum-dum stuff. Um, <laughs> oh, someone just sent me a tweet. Oh my god. What? We don't have friends. What are you doing? Hi, Carleen. If you're listening to the podcast, hi. <laughs> Okay, so at least we get Jared with a magic purpose. Um, then he looks at Evelyn, and she's all torn up. Her pants are down. She's a mess. And she, like, tries to cover herself. And I just, I hate everything about this moment. And I, I'm sure you do, too. It's, like, mm-hmm. such a damsel in distress. I need a man to save me, and I'm embarrassed yeah. that... Like, the guy that I like is seeing me in this vulnerable state. I don't want him to see me vulnerable. I don't want him to see me weak. And, 
like, I'm glad he saved the day because it didn't seem like the author was going to give her any other options. And I don't want anything bad to happen to her. But, like, I would prefer a woman save her own day. And Evelyn's more than capable of it. So it's just, like, really frustrating that Jared has to come save her because he's Merlin's legacy and, like, la-di-da-di-da. Like, great. Like, yes, is it going to cement their bond further? Yes, because he saved her life. And after a traumatic experience, she's going to feel even more drawn to him. Like, it's a great plot device, but it's not the best in terms of character development. And... That's the frustrating thing is we never really get a ton of character development with any of these characters because the plot situations that they keep getting put into are not ones that enable them to grow. Mm-hmm. Which ugh, makes me sad. But that being said, Jared is super chivalrous, very tender with her, very, very sweet, and I love him still. Yeah, and it, like, I mean, this is jumping ahead a bit, but in the next chapter, it was the right thing of him to just leave her. Like, I know that that throws her into this, like, oh, he hates me cycle, but, Mm -hmm. like, what is he gonna do? This girl just got sexually assaulted. Like, it's the right thing to leave her at her dorm and just say goodbye. It is. It is. And yeah, we'll, we'll get into that when we talk about the end of chapter 11, but I agree with you. I do think that, like, the exact way that he's behaving across both of the chapters is what she needs in that specific moment, even if she doesn't know that that's what she needs. So I do appreciate him for that. Um, After reading chapter 10, are you more on Team Jared? Yeah, I am. (laughs) Yay! (laughs) Finally! I, like, still love Colin a lot, though. It's like he's such a background character but like he's not he's though great character. You'll, i'm really excited for you to learn more about colin yes i promise you colin's not a background character he's a secondary character but not background um okay so i guess we can probably move into chapter 11 when they're talking to colin so evelyn putting on her ravenclaw hat again figures all this shit out Figures that Felix put something in Sally's coffee and that's why she's sick and lets everyone know about that. So I'm like, oh, a cookie again for Evelyn. Because <laughs> she's figuring all this stuff out without being explicitly told it, even though all the clues are right there. But still, she's putting the pieces together and I'm proud of her. Mm-hmm. And I'm also glad that Jared is somewhat responsible and mature for being a 19-year-old boy and stops his friend from <laughs> killing someone. That's a yeah. that's a good thing. Um, and also is like, mm, Evelyn just went through a traumatic experience and probably is in shock. I'm not going to take her on the back of my motorcycle. <laughs> Which, like, the, I was, like, dying over the fact that they were like, you want the Ducati? Okay, I'll take the Mustang. <laughs> what the heck? I've never heard someone talk like that before. I mean, it's very Twilight when they talk about all the different cars yeah. that they're going to take. Or Fifty Shades of Grey, which again is based off Twilight, where he's like, oh, I'm going to take the Audi Spider, and then I'm going to, nope, I'm going to take the Aston Martin thing. 
And I'm like, I don't know cars. What are the differences between all of these? Product placement. (laughs) Ah, yes. Makes sense. And then he, like, takes such good care of her when she's about to puke. Like, he just knows she's about to puke, so he goes and gets her car yeah, door did open. Yeah, telepathy? I was trying to figure that out. I was like, how does he know? I'm ba- I'm maybe he's, like, very sensitive to, like, auras or just, like, feelings, and so he gets, like, a sense. I don't, honestly don't remember. Or she might just have it written all over her face that she's about yeah, to that's curl. true. I get that look. I get a puke look when I'm about to get sick so he might just have been looking at her and seen it but like helps her out of the car holds her hair gets her a bottle of water out of nowhere which he probably magicked into his hand because he's a literal magician and consummate gentleman i love it he's just so nice this is the thing that's gonna i know is gonna frustrate you about jared throughout this book is he's too perfect and it's yeah, gonna annoy you. I'm getting that feeling already. I'm kind of like, Jesus Christ, this guy is like at all the right places, doing all the right things at all the right time. But sometimes, like it's, it's, don't we want that in a man? Yeah, I was just about to say, like, it's nice to read about it, but like, would I want to date a guy like that? I don't think I would. No, you'd want to date a guy with flaws. Yeah. But, like, I appreciate a perfect guy in literature. Because it just, it helps with the escapism. Yeah. Do I more so appreciate a complicated character like a Mr. Darcy? Yes, I do. A lot of flaws. <laughs> I love him yeah. so much. Oh, God. Okay, but not the book we're talking about. I, <laughs> this is dumb. This is a, a dumb, dumb Chantel thing. But he, she's talking to the nurse and the nurse is like, oh, is that your boyfriend? And Evelyn's like, no. And he's like, well, and the nurse is like, well, maybe he wants to be because he, like, came to the hospital with you and helped you. And I was like, like, a man can do a nice thing for a woman without wanting something in return. And I'm also trying to imagine my mother, a nurse, being like, oh, your boyfriend is out in the hall. Oh, he's not your boyfriend? Well, he definitely looks like your boyfriend. Like, my mom would not do that. No, your mother would never do that. Your mom would be like, who's that boy? What's he doing here? How do you know? (laughs) Maybe that's just if it was us, but. (laughs) Like, I mean, from like a bedside manner perspective, it makes sense to do something like that. But also like, no, (laughs) no, thank you. Yeah. Well, Men and women can be friends. Doing a good deed. Like, just let him do the good deed. True. True. Let him do the good deed. When was the last time you heard the word ninny used in any context? Literally? I, like, what? Where did this word come from? I want to see what it is in the original That's German. That's what you my comment that was! I literally wrote it down. I was like, I want to know what the German word was. Ninny. Who in English still says ninny? God, it's like an, an archaic word. Like, I don't think it's been used past the 70s. No, definitely not. Um, the translator must have used a weird dictionary. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there has to be a better word, but I don't know. Who knows what word was used in German? And then 
uh, we get Evelyn being very age appropriate, but very dumb by taking her bandage off. I that was my one note for this chapter. I was like, why are you taking your bandage off and throwing it into the trash? But Julia, think about it. If a hot guy was waiting for you outside the room and you were a normal 19-year-old girl, would you not do the same thing? I would probably look for, like, a hat. <laughs> I'm too fra- afraid of, like, medical things because, like, of my mother, I guess, that yeah. I would, like, look for a hat. <laughs> not everyone has a mom who's a nurse, so I could 100% see the average college girl doing something like that. I'm just not an average college that's true it you're you're instead you're mia thermopolis that's like yes i'm going to put this hat on to hide (laughs) my straightened hair (laughs) that's a good reference (laughs) i'm full of pop culture references tonight they're just like spilling out of me i can't even wait till the right section i apologize guys i have a lot of pop culture thoughts um and i promise they're not all twilight this week I'm still making Twilight. I, like, couldn't write them down, but I was making some Twilight references in here, too. There's so much. Twilight's, like, There's the epitome of, of YA angst. Yeah. Like, oh, God. Um, Let's see. What else do I got? Uh Oh, she's super obsessed with Jared. She wants to know everything about him. Whether he had a happy, happy childhood when his parents were still alive. I was like, Evelyn. Evelyn. Evelyn, we just learned the consequences of obsession from our yeah. not friend Felix. Please don't do this. I mean, granted, at least she wants to learn things about Jared, where clearly Felix did not want to learn anything about her. But still, pump the brakes, yeah. girl, just a little bit. You're oh god, so overboard. <laughs> It, this The fact that this all happened in one night really gets me. I'm kind of like, this just seems like it should be over a couple days. It's just like a lot ex- to process. escalated so fast. So, so quickly. And then she's like just staring at him and trying to figure out questions to ask him. She doesn't know how to talk to him. And she's like, ah, my brain. In standby mode, I couldn't even yeah. think of one sensible question. I'm like, you just went through a trauma and got six stitches. Cut yourself a break. But, like, even divorcing that, like, that is a very accurate thing. Like, don't be so hard on yourself, Evelyn. Uh, right. She's so hard on herself. She is. It's like she's completely, I mean, she is completely repressing the fact that she just went through a trauma. <laughs> but, like, g- girl, it's you don't, you're not perfect. You don't have to be. And I guarantee you, I guarantee Jared is not expecting you to be perfect tonight. This is your one but night to be. I relate to her and that's my like worry with like perfect guy syndrome is that you're constantly thinking like, oh, this guy's perfect. So I have to be perfect. So like, I understand it. That's fair. But she she clearly does not understand it. <laughs> oh, Evelyn. She hurts my heart. Um, and then 
Then we get the kiss. Yeah. Which. I'm glad that she initiated that. Like, I don't think he would have anyway, no. but like, well, that was sleeping. important. But I'm like still kind of confused why she would do that after all that has just happened. So I, I this know. is actually what I took notes on this because I wanted to talk about this because I actually think that this is a very, maybe not this quickly, but this is a very common response to sexual trauma that people face because like if you have lost your ability to control your own sexual situation and you don't have control over your own body and like what's happening to you sometimes the easiest way to cope and recover and like process is to put yourself in a situation that you do have control over so by initiating that kiss like that's something that she can control and that she wants to do rather than letting herself simmer in a situation that she didn't have control over yeah and I'm wondering if it's also the adrenaline of what just happened like you know yeah hasn't really faded probably also true good points good points I read way too much about sexual assault it's depressing it's a heavy topic it's and like the problem is it's such a wide topic everyone has such different responses to it but it's just so hard but like yeah i still don't think anyone bounces back quite as quickly as evelyn does no evelyn's whole situation is extremely unrealistic why why (laughs) like Uh, well at least someone's reading about like reading this book to understand more about sexual assault like yeah, please don't. <laughs> you could like, learn more about sexual assault trauma from like Six of Crows. <laughs> True. True. Oh, poor Enish. Yeah. God damn. Uh, not the book we're talking about. Um, nope, nope. nope. <laughs> okay, so that here's- one and Twilight are like our two most referenced. And I came into this podcast and we were like, oh my god, we're going to have to keep our BBC Merlin references at bay. I do no. have them this week, though. I do. I'm just not I'm so breaking them out them. yet. Um, okay, so then Jared leaves and he's just like, I'm sorry, he whispered, full of pain, stroked my cheek one last time, got into his car, and drove off into the darkness. And me, being my asshole self, is like, so sad, Jared. Someone get this man a Klondike bar or a Snickers so he can cheer up. I apologize for my comments. Anything else for chapter 11? It was a really short chapter. Um, no. I just, like, was so peeved about that bandage. I know. Your mother (laughs) would have been so mad. I know. Uh, people be dumb. It happens. College kids are dumb. Okay, so chapter 12. She spends the first half of the chapter, or not the first half, but, like, the first couple paragraphs of the chapter, like, freaking out about Jared and why he left. And, like, I just, I really feel like she's overcompensating to not think about Felix. So she's, like, yeah, overly focusing on Jared so that she can repress her actual trauma because it's much easier to deal with the pain of like a boy rejecting you than the pain of a sexual assault yeah 
but it's still, like, I just wish that she was dealing with it a little bit more explicitly, so it felt a little bit more realistic. But, it is what it is. Um, it is what it is. We can't change it. And we can't. Uh, Felix almost killed Sally, we learn in this chapter. Yeah, so surprised that he felt no remorse, probably. What a horrible person. Like, yeah. obviously already a horrible person, if you're gonna like rape your friend but you almost killed another one of your friends to yeah. do that like i i can't even imagine what's happening in his head i don't know and then she starts to think about felix again so she decides that she's gonna lock that memory away in her box which i just i find it really interesting now like i get that she was doing that in the first couple of chapters before she actually started at school but she's a psychology major. She's taking, like, 20 different classes about psychology. Yeah. Why does she still keep calling it a locked box instead of, like, actually talking about her repression and using the psychological Not a good coping mechanism, and she should know that. Right. Like, I just don't... Maybe it's just to make it easier on readers. Yeah. But Easy I out. would, like... Like, the author studied psychology, so, like, why are we not actually using the correct psychological terms if she's also studying psychology? Because I feel like she would recognize these things that she's doing herself. I don't know. It bothers me. I want more psychology lessons in this book, apparently. Then <laughs> she's just, like, thinking about kissing Jared. Not even kissing Jared. She's just thinking about kissing Jared, and she about, like, falls over <laughs> She's just, like, breathing so heavy from thinking about it. My comment is, like, ah, we all want to feel like this after seven months I... of quarantine. <laughs> and she succeeds in, like, seven weeks. Oh, my God. It's bullshit. Where's our love story? <laughs> she is, like, she's, like, desperate for him. And it's, like, concerning to me, honestly. It. It really is. It's super concerning. And then we learn that um, Madison hasn't been coming to class. So now we have Felix isn't in class today. Evelyn's been skipping classes. Madison hasn't been coming to class. Who knows where Jared's been for two weeks. Does anyone go to class? Are they taking attendance? How much are they paying in tuition? Like, it has got to be crazy. Right? Like, it's, I just, it feels like so much class time is being wasted, and maybe that's because they're taking 20 lectures at a time, and that's a very overwhelming to a person's brain, Yeah. but I, I just, I can't understand. And then Evelyn makes a comment that she's like, mm, maybe Madison was studying at another college that would fit more appropriately with her social status, and I was like, she's a rich, snobby person. What college fits better than Oxford? <laughs> maybe Cambridge. Like, maybe. <laughs> but, like, Evelyn, you're already at the top of the food chain. So, yeah. what do you... I don't know. Um, I also would really like these magic water powers where you can magically heal six stitches overnight. Yeah. Wait, <laughs> I was like... So 
that I got so confused because she goes swimming with the stitches, and I was like, I don't think she had healed yet because she hadn't taken a shower or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm getting maybe like chlorine doesn't. I don't know because she still feels happy when she's swimming, so I don't know. But like, you're not supposed to swim with stitches. <laughs> I was just so confused. Unless and I was magic. like, what? But then I was like, oh, wait, she can heal herself. So I was just like, oh, she should realize that. Because, like, she probably would have been told, like, don't for 48 hours after these stitches, don't go swimming. Right. But we already know that she disobeyed one instruction to keep a bandage on her head. Yeah, it's true. She's not going to listen to them about swimming. She's a rebel without a cause, you know? She's just. Well, she's a rebel with a Jared cause. True true um let's see i just had a comment that it's terrifying that one teenage boy can do so much harm to two girls that are supposed to be his friends after we see how horrible sally looks uh yeah Mm -hmm. um i'm really happy that evelyn calls him a shithead yeah that brings me joy she yeah He, he deserves it he does, but I'm just glad that the language was that explicit yeah. in this book. Because he deserves, he 100, I've been calling him that since, like, day one. Um, but, like, I'm really glad I that someone like, else oh, is calling him that. nice. <laughs> oh. um, I'm not mad at Evelyn for wishing that he was dead. Justice should be served. Goodbye, yep. Felix. Uh, we get some Merlin magic. We get some healing. That's fun. I know, and, like, I love that Evelyn is still so skeptical about this, and I'm like, I feel like there's enough here that you can piece this together. Well, and, like, she literally saw a golden light, too, and she's like, "Mm, this seems far-fetched. And I'm like, Evelyn, he threw you across a room with magic, and then he was glowing. How else do you think you got thrown across the room? (laughs) Like I said. She's very smart. Not with common sense. No. I don't really understand. Jared and Colin live together? Like, are they roomies in college? Wait, okay. I was confused about this, too, because I thought that they grew up together, which means wouldn't they then have both grown up with Mayflower? Mm Mm-hmm. If we learn, well, we learn about Mayflower later, right? But a like A little bit later in this chapter, yeah. Um, I was, I don't know. Well, both her parents died. Like a cult? Yes. Of boys whose parents died? <laughs> I can't say anything. Okay. So it is a cult? Of boys whose parents died? Well, um, let's just say it matters who their parents are as to whether or not they're being protected. Mm. Okay. Is that gotcha. vague enough? Yes. Okay, good. Um, but it's, like, I, they're clearly, like, brothers, because they apparently are <laughs> roomies hanging out. No. Um, and then Evelyn starts going and searching for Jared. She's such a creep. Like, I that want was like... her to not be a creep, but she's a creep. I don't understand why she's doing that. Like, that's, that's like, borderline Felix there. Exactly! (laughs) Like, 
Jarrett, are you okay? Blink uh, twice if you need help. I, seriously. I'm sure Colin will protect him, but... Yeah. Uh, uh, damn. Um, also, this is not a real comment, but um, when she tries to call Colin, it, the translation just says, A friendly female voice answered and said the person I was calling was unavailable at the moment. And I was like, it makes it sound like Colin has a secretary and not just voice. <laughs> Uh, Which I would prefer. I want Colin to have a secretary. That seems fun. Mashing the secretary is Mayflower. It's Aiden, though. She controls their lives. (laughs) Or Madison. Oh, no. Oh, my God. Um, I'm glad Evelyn's making a new friend in Ruth. Yes, which I'm like, I really hope that she turns out well, because my my German cousin's girlfriend's name is Ruth, which is Ruth in German, mm-hmm. and she, like, she's a great person, so she, this Ruth better also turn out great, that's all I'm saying. So I wrote down, thank God, a friend for Evelyn, one who hopefully <laughs> won't try to assault her, though no promises. Well, I love that Evelyn was like, if I can't trust her, I can't trust anyone, and I was like, I don't think that you can trust anyone. This is just proved. <laughs> you don't know her, Evelyn. No. <laughs> uh, 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 oh my god. Though I do love that Ruth has no clear organizational system to her bookshelves because that's me. Yeah, same, same. The I like only... generally have a system, but otherwise no. Do you? I have series bundled together and that's the only organization that there is and then books just kind of fit everywhere else i try to keep books i haven't read on top shelves so that they're like easily Mm. reachable but that's it i have them by genre Ooh, Um, not right now because they're all packed away but normally i have them by genre well my major comment was like and i said this in the summary but why on earth does everyone here know so many arthurian facts like it's just so coincidental again that like everyone's just oh yeah Nimue I know all about her Arthur I know all about him Merlin you want to hear more about Merlin here let me just prattle on about everything I know about Merlin and how I think that they're all connected in this society and like oh the Combrays are connected to Merlin that makes so much sense from what my mother who's also obsessed with Arthurian legends said <laughs> Yes, but at least, but at least, for all the people that know a bunch of stuff about Arthurian mythology, they don't all know the same things, right? So, like, Mayflower has very different views on Nimue than Ruth does. So there's dissent, which makes it fun. Yeah. Or if not fun, interesting. Yeah, I would say more interesting. (laughs) I think it's fun. Infighting. It's great. I want to know if, like, we're going to meet Hannah because they talk about her. Like, if that was just a character development kind of thing. But, like, it almost feels like something more. Like, maybe not in this book, but, like, another book or something. I don't know. I don't think we meet Hannah. Oh, damn it. <laughs> maybe it was destined for book three, but book three hasn't come out yet. Um, oh. Though, I'm, <laughs> I love how she's like... Merlin and Nimue loved each other with all their hearts. And I was like, yeah, 
no shit that Jared and Evelyn are like yeah are like they're like in heat together like <laughs> Jesus that's the perfect <laughs> way to shit. describe all because their ancestors couldn't stop fucking like rabbits. <laughs> Which, but I'm still very, I'm like very confused. If they were lovers and like loved each other with all their hearts, how do they both have separate descendant lines? Yeah, wait, hold on, you're right. Okay, there's something off here, but like maybe we shouldn't read into that. Are they oh, secretly boy. cousins? Because I don't want to oh, no. do that. Oh, no, I don't want to think about that. It's too, too much. <sighs> anyway, so they're just forbidden lovers. Forbidden lovers. Um, <laughs> I, I, this comment makes me laugh now that I've had like a glass and a half of bourbon. But there's a line that just says, Nimue was a magical creature. Water was her element. And my comment just says, and the breadcrumbs are now solid loaves of sourdough. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 2020 reference. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Oh, God. But we get details of the Seeger Society. Um, mm-hmm. So we now know that everyone's protecting... The heirs of Merlin, because that's his legacy. Because, uh, you know, legacies can only be made by your children, apparently. Why does society done to us? Yeah. Uh, it's fine, though. It's fine. So they're protecting his family, which namely means Jared right now. And then Evelyn's like, Sally hadn't been that far off the mark when she suggested the mafia. I'm like, how is any of this like the mafia? No, this is just a cult. Right, it's like a religion. It is, it's nothing yeah. like the mafia. The mafia is a very different The mafia is beast. out to kill people, like, for money, not to protect. protect people. Well, they do sometimes protect people, but also for money. Yeah, exactly. It's all for money. Yeah, and then, uh, um, don't... Uh, it's just, Ruth seems nice, but, like, to your point earlier, Evelyn, like, maybe let's not spill all of the secrets about yours and Jared's magic powers to a stranger who knows way too much about all of this stuff anyways. Yeah. Just- That got me worried. (laughs) Very, very worried. Um, and then, like- they go this whole roundabout way of explaining that Murden is Merlin. And I'm like, we couldn't figured you just... that out. Yeah, we already knew that. Also, couldn't you have just said that? Yeah. Like, you read about Murden? Yeah, that's Welsh for Merlin. <laughs> we didn't need an extra page of description. <laughs> I know. Though apparently we did. But uh, we also now know why Mayflower sees. Jared in such a protective light because she probably feels for him like she feels for her own son um so she's being overprotective mama so it's a little bit a little bit more understandable a little less creepy of like her protecting the student yeah a little less creepy still creepy but slightly better and then Ruth's comment that the whole family is shielded is 
concerning to me because they probably are there's probably like actually a magic shield protecting him in multiple ways um but the fact that evelyn is now sharing secrets (laughs) may fuck with that shield a little bit yeah uh so i don't i don't know what to do with it please be a good character please be a good character Oh, why did she tell her? I know. And then Ruth is like, he's Merlin's legacy. And I just wrote, dun, dun, dun. Uh, That's the end of the chapter. Do you believe in magic really did it for me? Because I was like, Jesus. All right. So should we move into pop culture? Pop culture. Pop, pop, pop culture. That was weird. I apologize. Yeah, I think you have all of the pop culture. I didn't come up with anything. I think I was just so, like, confounded by this assault that it was just so hard. Okay, yeah, I have so many pop culture references. Um, so, starting with chapter 10, some of these you'll love, I think, and you'll be on board with. So, chapter 10. Um, Evelyn is like, "Mm, I'm gonna skip class and rush to the library to look for clues. My brain was like, oh my god, Hermione's looking for information on basilisks. Oh, yeah. Because it just... Hermione. Oh, felt so much like Hermione. But it also, when she's, like, tearing out all the books and, like, looking at all the different ones to get different descriptions, and she's like, none of this is helpful. I'm like, ah, and that is Goblet of Fire when they are trying to find out how to help Harry breathe underwater. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and then everything in that whole witch murder summary section, it just screamed Uther Pendragon from BBC Berlin. Oh, yeah, I see that. Yeah. I was just, like, reading it, and I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, I was like, yes. this is all Uther. It didn't matter if they were children. didn't matter if they were adults. He's like, yeah, let's kill them all. We'll make a party out of it. Woohoo. So bad. Ugh. Yeah. Thank God he died in that series. Um... And I know I kind of mentioned this when we were talking about the commentary about, like, how it, the bookshelves felt like a hidden object game. But it also, like, the idea of, like, pushing all of them together to, like, click something into place or, like, reveal a clue felt very Nancy Drew to me. Oh. <laughs> oh, I was, like, wondering where you were going with that. I just, it, oh, yeah. it was very, like, classic, classic, like, first 20 books Nancy Drew, and now I just want to go reread all the Nancy Drew because <laughs> I love them so much. That would be time well spent. I agree. I 100% agree. Um, I have another Vampire Diaries thing. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, though, thankfully, the Vampire Diaries thing turns out much better than it does in here, but... I just rewatched an episode from season three where uh, Tyler's mom figures out that Caroline's a vampire, so stabs her with a bunch of her vein, and then she's concerned that Tyler is also a vampire, so she puts her vein in his morning coffee, and he drinks it, and he's like, Mom, I think the cream is bad. This tastes really weird. And she's like, oh, I'm sure it's fine. 
and blows him off and then he puts his coffee down and like leaves and then he comes back later he's like you put vervain in my coffee and i was like oh "Hmm." boy yep this feels like that a little bit yeah because it's a thing your own friends and family yay (laughs) um and obviously the whole felix scene is reminiscent of a lot of media which is sad but it is yeah i had a very weird remembrance like trigger inside of me when i read that scene and i don't know why because i don't think there are any actual correlations between the two scenes but there was something about the description of felix's eyes in that whole scene that made me think of pillars of the earth yeah okay i know it's weird but there's this weird scene in pillars of the earth where and i read that book probably in high school so i don't remember any of the context about it but this night guy who's definitely a villain rapes this like firecracker redhead main character woman and i think he's like really excited about it because he actually likes causing women pain which is different from felix i think but he also has like these dead eyes when she looks at him his eyes are like dead and so that like that connection with felix's eyes like just just the deadness of the eyes distinctly reminded me of it and i don't know why it also can probably be tied to 13 reasons why because i think they have a very just similar description in that book when bryce does his very bad behavior um and then it also reminded me of veronica mars season three there's this guy who's doing serial rapes around the college and is like shaving women's heads after he rapes them to like further humiliate them um but he always does it when there's loud parties so that people can't hear him oh yeah doing anything to these women so um that was one of the ones that i like typed down when we were talking so i was like oh my god and it reminded me of that um happier pop culture references (laughs) Uh, the fact that Jared glows when he does magic was very reminiscent of Alina Starkov to me because she's a sun summoner. So she always is like glowing gold from her sun powers. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And I was like, oh, yes. Warm like the sun. That's what we need Jared to be. Cast out all the (laughs) darkness of this chapter. And then um, the the best part, my favorite pop culture reference from this entire chapter, he's like, are you okay? Are you hurt? And Evelyn touches the back of her head and she's like, oh, it's just a flesh wound, which is a Monty Python reference oh. when Arthur oh. is oh fighting, like it's Monty oh. Python and the Holy Grail. And it's from when Arthur yeah, is fighting yeah. that, that one night and he cuts off his arms oh. and his legs. And the guy's like, flesh. just a flesh wound? I can I forgot about that. Wow, it's been years since I've seen that. I, I watched watch it, it again. I watched it with my mom recently. But initially, my brain was like, and my, I read that and I was like, oh, that's Shakespearean. No, Shakespeare would never do that. <laughs> no, because Shakespeare 
in Romeo and Juliet, Mercutio, when he's mortally wounded, he just goes, I, I, tis but a scratch. Mm -hmm. And so Monty Python then took that line and says, it's just a flesh wound. (laughs) And... So it all kind of like ties in together, and so yeah, it just it made oh me boy. Um, but at least the Monty Python reference is also Arthurian because it's like a fight that Arthur is in. So it's very true to form. Yeah, she definitely yeah. watched Monty Python before doing this. Oh, Monty Python's so good. Maybe I should do a rewatch and see if she has any more references. You should. It's a good idea. Um, if we'll know if she talks about the uh, tailwind of an African <laughs> swallow, that <laughs> she's oh, making an explicit reference. I would love to see that. I don't think she does. <laughs> okay, that are those are all of my chapter ten pop culture references. I had a lot. Um, any nothing to add? <laughs> no, I had nothing for these. I was surprised. I had nothing for chapter 11. It was a very quick chapter, and I don't like to think about yeah. hospitals, so I just skipped yeah, past it as quickly as possible. Um, okay, chapter 12. When Evelyn is first waking up, she describes the beeping of her alarm clock as penetrating. Yeah, I think that's the wrong translation, so I just kind of ignored it. <laughs> My head in my head I just heard Rebel Wilson going not a good enough reason to use the word penetrate yeah it's perfect <laughs> oh god yeah because that's true it's not a good enough reason to use nope. the word penetrate especially after what just happened like yeah translator. it's a translation issue 100%. Bad, bad word choice bad translation Oh my god. Um, this is a broad jump, but so she gets poison. Sally gets poisoned by foxglove, which is a poisonous plant. Does she um, say that? No, well, that I looked up what it's in the summary. Digi- I'm scrolling. Uh, digitalis. Uh, so I looked up digitalis because I didn't know what that was, and it's foxglove. Which is like a purple flower. So I'm like, mmm, poisonous flowers. And then my brain thought of Foxface from the Hunger Games. Because she also died from a poisonous plant. Although it was poisonous berries. But the fox thing mm-hmm. made my brain make the connection. Oh, okay. <laughs> I just have these really random things that pop into my head when I read and I write them down. Are they all good? No. Well, Do I, still so, I need, like, a really, a really tangible connection, I guess. You do. That's true. <laughs> and I have unnecessary connections. And so we balance out. Yeah. So it's fine. Um, so I was doing a lot of reading last night on healing powers because Jared seems to heal Sally with, like, no problem. But um, if we learned anything from BBC Merlin, he's shit at healing. He's the yeah, worst he's healer. healer. Like, every he's time he awful. tries to heal Arthur, he fails. Yeah, that's true. And I googled oh. it just to check, and they listed out all of the healing spells that were cast in the entire show. And any time one of them is cast by Merlin on Arthur, they're like, 
and it fails. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm guessing it got easier for later generations of this family. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know, but, um, it, yeah. And then we get, like, this, chapter 12 really focuses in on Nimue, and I just kind of wanted to talk a little bit about this description of Nimue, because we're never going to, like, meet Nimue in this book series, really. Yeah. So, this description of Nimue as this, like, ethereal goddess, almost, right? That's kind of, like, she's this immortal guardian, not really part of the world of men and the Mm goings-on of men, because she's living in Avalon, but she's in love with this sorcerer. And so takes some kind of a mortal body to be with him in some capacity. And, like, that's just so different from the Nimways that we've seen in media, I feel like. Because you get Nimue from Cursed, for example, which I still haven't finished, so sorry if this isn't actually what she's like. But she's a little (laughs) headstrong, not in a bad way, but a little headstrong, very, like, protective of her family, angry about people who want to hurt her um and also a little bit selfish i feel like in wanting to protect her powers and like use her own powers um and she sees her powers as a curse rather than like a boon um and then you have the nimway in like bbc merlin who is this like random sorceress that pops up at times just to fuck with everybody for fun. Yeah, she, she has a terrible character in BBC Merlin. Because she's the one that poisons the entire water yeah. supply, right? Yeah. Like, she's Among evil. other terrible deeds. She's just straight up evil. I, I think that's the fault of BBC Merlin, is that I think Guinevere was really the only good female character. And maybe Merlin's mother. Oh, I love Merlin's mother. Yeah. I actually, I think Morgana is a good character. Oh, she doesn't turn out good in the moral sense. No, but she's really good character development to get to the point that she does. Because she was very morally good at the beginning. And then Uther was so horrible. Horrible. That it ruined Mm. her. That's true. Yeah. So, but yeah, no, I agree with you. Like, there's really not a lot of good female characters. And yeah, Nimue's horrible in that series. So it's it's actually really refreshing because all of these things are true, right? Like, you have the Guardian of Avalon. You have the Lady of the Lake that gave Excalibur to Merlin. Mm-hmm. Like, these are good things, like positive things. And somehow over centuries, the story has been so twisted to, like, make this girl out to be bad. But I like having a fresh spin on the story that's like, ah, she's great. (laughs) Well, she has some problems, but otherwise, yeah. Right. (laughs) Better characterization than BBC Marlin, at least. Yes, 100% better. Yeah. Well, and it's just interesting in general, like, when we think about these legends, like, for the most part, 
the portrayals of Merlin and the portrayals of Arthur stay pretty constant. Yeah. Like, cursed is a different story, but for the most part, they stay. It's like, you've got your king, got his right-hand man, there's a whole origin story for how they became friends, yada, yada, yada. You've got Morgan Le Fay or Morgana off doing evil in the background. Like, all of this stuff is pretty constant, but the side characters to the story can have wildly different personalities based on what epic poem you're reading about them in. Yeah. And so it's just fascinating to see, like, how different everyone really can be based on your interpretation and the own story that you want to tell. Because it's very different from, like, Greek mythology, where, yes, you have variations in myths, but for the most part, the myths are all fairly standard and the same, and the story lines are fairly standard and the same, even if certain details may change from telling to telling. Um, anyways, sorry for that rant. Uh, it was a good rant. <laughs> I just have a lot of feelings about it. Um, and then my very... <laughs> is a horrible pop culture reference to end on but it's very me so i'm gonna do it anyways um ruth and her mother are national treasure and you cannot convince me otherwise what like that familial lineage of chasing down a secret oh my god yeah wait i can see that oh no Yes, it's (laughs) national treasure but women and in the uk and i love it I hope that they end up good and then, like, and they get their treasure. I don't think there is a treasure other than Jared, so I don't want Ruth well, to get him. The treasure <laughs> is understanding what's going on with that society. I think that's it. That's so it. she's so close to it. She is. It's true. Maybe they'll invite her to be a member. Who knows? <laughs> a note keeper, since she seems to know everything already. <laughs> true okay those were all of my pop culture references excellent references indeed sorry i don't have any that's okay my brain was overactive yesterday so it works out (laughs) shall we move on to mvps yes who is yours jared (laughs) it has to be i mean it has to be like he saves the day made out with Evelyn so she got at least a little bit of her itch scratched which I'm happy for her um he was such a perfect person the entire time and also we finally learned his secret that he's a magician and he healed Sally so like he just did a lot of good like things in this chapter that were intentional this time and so it's the first chapter that we get intentional jared goodness or first chapters that we get intentional jared goodness and i love it and i love jared (laughs) even though he's a very boring character because he's so perfect i still love him um so i picked jared (laughs) okay who's yours i'm gonna go with go with Evelyn for this one um she went through a lot I know well she went through a lot I feel like she deserves it she's trying her hardest 
you know, she could have just fallen apart, but she's still persevering. She reached out to someone. Like, even though we don't know if we can trust Ruth, the fact that she still reached out to someone to, like, just talk about life, I think is so important. True. Um, so I was really proud of her for doing that. Um, and then just checking on Sally and the fact that she brought her flowers, I thought was yeah. so nice of her. Um didn't have to do that. I mean, a little running around trying to find Jared, they really bothered me, but I, I'll overlook that <laughs> for for this. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> I I can hundred percent agree with that though. I think Evelyn's a great choice. Um, okay, Julia. So you know. <laughs> how would you rate these three chapters? And if you do they're very different. They're very different chapters. So if you need to give them separate ratings, I understand. Okay. Well, I'm going with Asaki for all three of them. Okay. Um, I think that the ratings would differ because just like sake, it depends on like what kind of sake you're having and like, is it hot or cold? Is it a sake bomb? So like 100% a sake bomb that is like a 9 out of 10 in that you're going in it and you're having a lot of these sake bombs and then before you know it, you're like just completely smashed but they tasted so good and they were so fun right and like but then at the end you're kind of like oh hold on I didn't realize how much I had and it hits you and it's not a great feeling but like the I actually I'm downgrading that to a 7 out of 10 and then the next chapter I would say is more like a 4 out of 10 like a really cheap cold sake where you're like you don't have the right food to accompany it so it's like just a bad combination overall and it's just too short there's not enough flavor going on it's not great and then the chapter 12 would be I would say like a mid-range kind of a sake like a, a 7 out of 10 where like you get some good flavor maybe it's one of it's warm and you have some good like sushi to go with it for instance it helps bring out the flavor a little bit more and like you're just trying it for the first time so it's kind of exciting yeah okay cool now i want sake <laughs> i know me too i would love some <laughs> oh man sake sounds delicious oh well i don't need any more alcohol tonight i'm <laughs> You don't. I could have some more, but not you. <laughs> I mean, I'm just, like, tired. Like, I'm not actually tipsy. I'm just, like, getting, I'm getting bourbon sleepy. So I'm probably going to go to bed at 9.30 tonight. <laughs> um, but, oh, man, we talked about a lot today. That These are some very yeah. intense chapters. I mean, I'm still, I'm very glad we're hopefully knock on wood over the hump with Felix and we hopefully don't have to talk about him for a couple more chapters which will be great I would be fine if he just didn't come back (laughs) like we just forgot about him (laughs) I think he comes back but I know I don't I don't remember if it's this book or the next book okay well we're gonna find out I guess and I'm going to be disappointed or disappointed. <laughs> You're going to be disappointed. Well, I think it's an interesting plot point, but you'll be disappointed. But it's, it is what it is. It's fine. Um, so, yeah, next week. Next week is the first week that we're dropping down to two chapters. 
Yeah, I was looking at the next chapters and I was like, oh god, I don't think that we're reading three chapters, but if we're reading three chapters, I'm going to need to spend a lot of time on them. So thank god. Next week we're reading two chapters, and um, those two chapters are going to be the most amount of pages that we'll have to read in this entire book. Oh. Um, we've been averaging between so 13 30, and 14. Yeah, we've been averaging between 30 and 40 pages um, a podcast across oh. three chapters. These two chapters are 51 pages. Holy moly. Chapter Two 14. I think ex- it's chapter 14. It's going to be a lot. Long. I think we get yeah. a lot of Jared and Evelyn talking finally. <laughs> Real conversation. Oh, that's why. That's why. I'm going to have so much to talk about. I'm so excited. <laughs> but okay. we'll, be, we'll be talking about chapters 13 and 14 next week. So in the meantime, uh, hope everyone is staying safe and enjoying your winter or whatever season you're listening to yes. this in. Um, if I you're listening be... in Australia, I hope you're having a great spring. Ah, yes. True. Well, this will be airing <laughs> in, like, this probably will air December 16th. So, Okay, summer. happy summer. Summer in Australia. <laughs> And in Africa and South America. So, have fun, Southern Hemisphere. Enjoy the sun for us. Um, We will be very cold. (laughs) I will be in a weighted blanket by the fireplace. Me too. But in the meantime, we'll talk to you guys next week. Follow us on social media. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at, at Unnecessary Angst Pod. On Twitter, at unangstpod. I will explain this every week. (laughs) Twitter sucks with its character count. So, it's U-N-A-N-G-S-T-P-O-D. Unangstpod, because we had to shorten it. And you can also send us emails with all of your thoughts and suggestions and book recommendations and whatever to unnecessaryangstpod at gmail.com. And we will probably be posting, um, if we haven't already posted uh, commentary on what our next book is going to be on our social media. So feel free to email us if you have any comments on those books, if you've read them, if you have thoughts about the different chapters. And Julia will have to screen the email <laughs> so that I don't get any spoilers. Um, even though I'll probably spoil myself within five minutes of us starting the second book. Because <laughs> I'm not good at avoiding spoilers. I'm very bad at it, actually. But we'll try to be spoiler-free as much as possible. So, yeah, that's pretty much it. Thanks for sticking this episode out with us, guys, now that we're over two hours in recording again. Yep. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. A lot to talk about, though. So It's true. We crammed a lot in. Hopefully we can cut out a lot of content next week because it's a lot of dialogue but we'll see um but yeah stay safe and we'll talk to you guys stay safe everyone bye bye